The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. Glad to be with you on this Monday morning, Labor Day Monday. Everyone enjoying a day off, some extra time to watch baseball. Lot of stuff to cover from Sunday first, though. Andrew Benintendi will require surgery for a broken hamate bone. Benintendi says he thinks he may be able to return before the end of the regular season based on a similar injury he had in college. It'd be pretty impressive and great news for the floundering Yankees. The Phillies placed Nick Castellanos on the 10-day IL with a right oblique strain. The team was waiting on MRI results and hoping his absence would be brief, but this doesn't seem to align with that. We should learn more today, but in redraft, Castellanos hasn't had a great year, and even being out another week plus is a lot of time with so little of the season left. Dalton Guthrie was added to the roster to replace Castellanos. Outfield depth, not a strength for the Phils right now. Tyler Molly's return to the Twins rotation was brief as he is back on the 15-day IL. His velocity was still off in his start, so not a huge surprise, but a big loss. He won't be back until the last couple weeks of the season at the earliest. David Price at the IL for the Dodgers and Ryan Pepio was recalled to replace him. Pepio was the second man up for the Dodgers Sunday, going two innings in relief, striking out one while allowing just one unearned run on three hits, but he walked four. Doesn't look like he's going to get the role or really put things together enough to be a fantasy factor this year. Miguel Cabrera hit the IL for the Tigers. He has a left bicep strain. Fantasy value has been low for a while now, but the game is more fun when he's around. Dallas Keuchel DFA'd by the Rangers. He's got to be nearing the end of the road at this point. The Mets got Carlos Carrasco back from the IL and put him on the hill versus the Nationals. He lasted just two and a third innings and gave up five runs, but only one of them was earned. The whip was awful, and he had just two strikeouts versus two walks. Velocity looked fine, but just six whiffs and a 19% CSW. Maybe just rust, but there isn't a lot of time to shake off that rust. He is at Miami next, but this wasn't super encouraging. It's sort of a risky play to try him out again. Max Castillo back for the Royals. He fared a bit better, going four and two-thirds innings on two runs and five hits, striking out five while walking just one. Interestingly, at least to me, he exactly matched Carrasco's whiff and CSW percents. Both those percents were at 19 for both of those players. 
Castillo's velocity was down a touch, but not a ton. And his fastball looked fine. Plus he has seven relief appearances. So that is impacting any velocity comparisons we might make. Castillo had strong strikeout and walk rates as a reliever, but not as a starter until Sunday. So maybe this is a first step towards turning a corner. I don't know. Luis Robert back for the Sox kind of reinstated from the paternity list, but wasn't in the lineup. The team said he was just getting an extra day. So look for him to be in the lineup today. The Red Sox made a small flurry of moves. Tanner Houck moved to the 60-day IL. Cutter Crawford placed on the 15-day IL. Bobby Dahlbeck optioned to AAA. But the last two moves, the big ones, Josh Winkowski were called from AAA. He got the start versus Texas, going four innings, allowed two runs on three hits with three strikeouts and three walks. Not a lot to see, but with Crawford out, he will have a spot in this rotation, it seems. And having fully buried the lead, Boston finally called up first base prospect Tristan Cassis. They put him at first base, had him hit sixth. He was one for four with a single, not a ton there, but maybe provided some protection to Trevor Story. He's really struggled this year, but Story was three for four with a home run, a double, a run, three RBIs hitting in front of Cassis. I don't know. Maybe that's a difference maker for him. Hopefully Cassis is locked into a starting role and not just because he'll protect Story. I definitely want to see what Cassis can do. In Sunday's action, Will Myers made an early exit with neck tightness, said it was just a day-to-day thing, nothing more. Jonathan India extended his hitting streak to 16 with a home run in the first game of doubleheader today, then fouled the ball off his leg in game two and had to come out of the game. David Bell said it was just to be safe and that India wanted to stay in. India has been excellent lately after a rough start, so hopefully isn't missing too much time. The Astros scratched Martin Maldonado, but said he was just a little under the weather and they expect him to catch today. Jose Iglesias left early with a hand injury. Haven't seen any update on what's expected from him, but he's having a solid little season for fantasy. That said, he can be replaced if he's going to miss time. Some upcoming moves. Ryan Nelson will get the call for the D-backs today to start at San Diego. Nelson's AAA numbers are not real good, but he is getting a shot, so I'll be watching to see how he does. I'll not be risking starting him or even picking him up for that matter. Jack Flaherty will be starting for the cards against the Nats, and I will be risking that one. Wade Miley, Ramon Laureano, and Joey Bart should be back tomorrow with Michael Lorenzen returning later in the week. Finally, the Tigers are apparently DFAing Michael Pineda. Pineda was once a top prospect, but has had a rocky career and really hasn't performed at all this year, so not a huge surprise. Just no upside for the Tigers to keep running him out there as they figure out their 2023 plans. Some interesting offensive performances Sunday. O'Neill Cruz hit his 12th homer on the season, continuing a two-week stretch where he's flashing the talent we were all looking forward to for so long. Coming into Sunday, he had a 128 WRC plus since August 20th. This was his third home run in those 48 plate appearances. He also has a double and two triples over that stretch. The K rate is still high and he struck out twice Sunday. So I'm not willing to say he broke out, but the results are encouraging. TJ Friedel came into the day a below average hitter and left having gone four for eight with a walk, two home runs in the Reds doubleheader with the Rockies. That raised his WRC plus from 98 to 114 in a single day. Not bad. He was also doing well in AAA, so in deeper leagues, he may be worth a look. Seth Brown had gone cold for a while, but was three for four Sunday with two home runs, three runs, two RBIs. I've been moving on from him after an earlier hot streak didn't really sustain, but maybe I'm selling in the lull and he's about to pick it up again. Kiebert Ruiz hasn't had the first full season in D.C. that I and others had hoped, but three for five on Sunday with two runs, two RBIs. I don't think there's anything to buy on this year, but he's walking more and striking out less lately. His bat pip is correcting, and once the power comes, I think he gets interesting. He'll be a sleeper pick for me next year. Similar story for Carlos Correa, who hasn't really done what we expected, but was two for five with his 15th home run Sunday. He can still win you a league down the stretch. 
Julio Rodriguez, four for six with a home run, two runs, one RBI, plus a stolen base just for good measure. Where he goes and drafts next year will be a hot topic in the offseason. Spoiler alert, it's going to be early. Jake McCarthy seemed like a decent bet to be the odd man out in Arizona, but he is raking two for four Sunday with his seventh home run, a run and three RBIs, and I'm starting to look at where he can help me. Other home runs around the league, Calvin Biggio and Aristides Aquino both hit their fifth, CJ Crone hit his 25th, Marcelo Zuna got his 21st, Harold Castro his sixth, Aaron Judge hit his 53rd, Cal Raleigh hit his 22nd, Wilmer Flores hit his 17th, JT Real Muto his 15th, Mike Trout hit number 29, Kyle Tucker and Jose Altuve both hit number 23. Altuve, by the way, also doubled and was three for four in that one. Dalton Varsho hit his 20th, Hunter Renfro was 24th, Will Smith got his 21st, Trace Thompson got his 8th, and Albert Pujols came in to pinch hit and hit number 695. Actually, not sure off the top of my head what number that is for the season, but it doesn't matter. This is by far the most fun I can remember having watching a milestone chase like this. Usually, whether it's you know 500 home runs, 3,000 hits, it just seems inevitable. This one's not inevitable. Go get those last five, Albert. Stolen bases around baseball. Vlad Guerrero Jr. stole his sixth. Greg Allen swiped his seventh. Garrett Hampson took his eighth, ninth, and tenth in the Rockies doubleheader Sunday. Maybe that signals how they feel about the Reds. Maybe it signals him running more down the stretch. Nick Senzel got his seventh and eighth in that same doubleheader. Alejo Lopez got his third. Jose Barrero got his second. Jorge Mateo got to 30. Rob Snyder stole his first on the year. Marcus Simeon swiped number 21. Nicky Lopez, number 13. Andres Jimenez stole his 16th. Ahmed Rosario, his 13th. Andrew Velasquez, his 14th. And Cody Bellinger swiped number 12. Lots of interesting pitching performances. We're going to talk about a lot of arms today. But the first one, and by far the most interesting at the moment, Zach Gallen went seven shutout Sunday, lowering his ERA to 2.42 on the year, struck out seven, walked one, allowed just two hits. He has now gone 41 and a third scoreless innings, and his next start is at Coors. Coors, come on, that's not right. That can't be. But you know, if he just waited one day, he could pitch at home instead. That would be against the Dodgers. So, you know, pick your poison, I guess. Oh man, Nick Lodolo is going to make me regret some trades. I sold on him to get more reliable pitchers down the stretch. Guys, I was more confident wouldn't get shut down, but he's been great. And Sunday, six innings of shutout ball, allowing two hits and a walk, striking out nine. Yeah, it was the Rockies, but still impressive, and his future is very, very bright. It was like a 1950s pitcher's duel in St. Louis as Marcus Stroman went seven shutout, allowing four hits and eight. Zero walks, but only five strikeouts. Well, Miles Michaelis went eight shutout, allowing two hits and a walk, but struck out just three. Pitchers going deep and not racking up Ks, not what we're used to these days. Michaelis got more help from his teammates, though, as Brandon Hughes couldn't keep the cards scoreless. He gave up the Pujols home run and took the loss. Ryan Helsley got the ninth for the cards and got his 13th save in the process. Carlos Rodon, more like a modern pitcher, 10 strikeouts, two walks, five hits, and six shutout. He is just rolling. A rain delay cut him off, but Max Fried was dealing, going five innings of no-hit ball, striking out six and walking one. Really wonder where he would have ended up. He was at 66 pitches, so he had at least a couple, maybe three, four more innings left. Could he have gotten all four? Guess we'll never know. Pablo Lopez wasn't quite as good before the rain, but he wasn't bad. Two runs on five hits and a walk over four innings pitch, striking out seven. Get the sense that if he had gone another inning or two, those rates would have leveled off. His velocity was up a ton in this one, and if that continues, that would be huge. He gets the Mets next, so you have to decide if you want to gamble on that velocity or wait till his next start. That should be Philly, not a whole lot better. More rain in Cleveland, where Cal Quantrill and George Kirby were limited to three innings apiece due to a long rain delay. 
Quantrill gave up three runs, two of them earned on five hits. Though the third of those came around after he left. Kirby gave up just one run on three hits. He struck out two and, of course, walked to zero because that's just what Kirby does. Frankie Montas not cut off by rain but got pulled after five as his pitch count was up to 93. He was great, striking out seven, allowing just one hit, keeping the Rays off the board. 23 whiffs in just five innings is something special. This is the good Frankie, and I'm glad to have him back. Jose Arquiti was strong, going seven shutout against the Angels, striking out eight and walking one, allowing only four hits. Still think he's a matchup play, but the Angels are up next, so yeah, double up on that one. Adrian Martinez, super strong against the Orioles for the A's, going six shutout, allowing three hits, two walks, striking out four. He's an interesting matchup play, but the White Sox are next, and I don't think I want to mess with that one. Dylan Bundy was cruising against those same Sox, going five innings and just 66 pitches, striking out four, walking one, and allowing two hits without a run. His 39% CSW was just stellar. Bundy faced exactly 18 hillers, and that was not a mistake. His numbers the third time through the order are bad. Twins just trying to protect him. Ross Stripling got a win and a quality start going six, allowing three runs, but helping in whip with just two hits and three walks, plus he had eight Ks. He was a favorite of mine a few years ago, and I'm really enjoying this resurgence. JT Brubaker held the Jays in check, giving up two runs on five hits and five and a third, walking two and striking out five. He had 10 whiffs and a 29% CSW. I still don't trust him though. Cards coming up next, and if you really need it, but I'd stay away. Lucas Giolito had five strikeouts, two walks, giving up just two runs on six hits and five innings pitch. Pretty meh, but that qualifies as progress for him, to be honest. Just kind of a lost season. I still don't think I want to use him much, but at Oakland next, yeah, I could see doing that. Herman Marquez with another good road start, going seven innings at Cincinnati, striking out four, walking three, allowing two runs and three hits. The Rocks head home today, and Marquez starts at Coors on Friday. Let's discuss him the next time he has a road start before trying to pick him up. Spencer Watkins had been going strong lately, but struggled with the lowly A's, giving up four runs on nine hits in six innings, striking out a whopping zero hitters. The risk you take with those streamer types, you can't really count on them, and that will continue to be the case for Watkins and honestly most of his teammates. Matt Manning's tour and runs don't look bad, but just four innings pitched, five hits, three walks, and just three strikeouts. The whiffs in CSW were bad. I'm not real happy with this one. Eric Fetty looked better than Manning, but the result for me is the same. Six innings, one run, four hits, and a walk versus the Mets. Struck out only two at just seven whiffs on 101 pitches, and I'm still not excited about what this says about the future. Ranger Suarez lasted just four innings, starting with three strong ones before it went sideways. Matt Gelb, who covers Philly, tweeted that Suarez has a 559 OPS against in innings one through three and an 811 OPS against in innings four through six. He wondered if the Phillies might piggyback him in the future. Regardless of whether or not they do that, it's going to limit his value significantly. Finally, Mike Clevenger got lit up by the Dodgers, but honestly, so does everyone. The problem is he faces them again next. I still think he's a better pitcher than his 3.96 ERA suggests, but that is not a start I'm excited about. In the bullpens, Jordan Romano gave up two hits, but also struck out three, getting his 30th save. John Schreiber got his seventh save in a perfect two-strikeout inning. Gregory Soto took the loss Sunday, giving up a run on two hits and two walks while striking out one in the eighth. That set up Scott Barlow to get his 21st save with a perfect ninth for KC. Still think Soto holds the job the rest of the way for Detroit, but as we saw Sunday, the Tigers may not always wait until the ninth to deploy him. For the first time since July 22nd, Clay Holmes got a save. He's been back for about a week, but the Yankees had been uh, not, not so great. 
Sunday, they did just enough to get a win, and honestly, Holmes also did just enough, giving up a run on three hits with a strikeout and barely escaping with the W. The Mariners and Guardians pens looked great for a while. Rain forced both teams into the reserves early. Then the game went to extras. The two pens combined for 16 innings, and the first 14 of them were great. Two runs, seven hits, 10 walks, 13 strikeouts, and that was true right up until Trevor Steffen came on for the 11th. He ended up taking the loss, giving up two earned runs plus the ghost runner on three hits in an inning of work. The last good inning came after him as Chris Flexen got his second save on the year. He isn't closing now, but all the other options had been run out there earlier to keep the game alive. Paul Sewald had actually blown the save in the eighth, allowing an inherited runner to score. David Robertson tried to go two innings for the fills, and it was too much. He ended up giving up two runs on three hits, striking out four and walking two to take the loss on the Wilmer Flores walk-off. And no save for Craig Kimbrell. He had a five-run lead when he came into the game, but he did pitch a clean inning to close it out for the Dodgers. With that, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll turn our attention to Monday's action. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff, plus you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. First thing we got to do is take a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. After a very busy weather Sunday, we have less busyness, let's put it that way, for Monday on Labor Day. Um, first game of the day looks like it's going to be the biggest problem. That's the Mets at the Pirates. There's going to be showers and thunderstorms around basically all afternoon. This is an early afternoon start, so hopefully early in the game is rather dry and they're able to squeeze it in, but there will be some showers and thunderstorms around. But on the other hand, that's the only game I see with any major issues. So enjoy the holiday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for someone to stream, Brady Singer gets the ice-cold Guardians, and honestly, I would start almost anyone against them right now. Plus, Singer's looked pretty decent lately. I mentioned Ryan Nelson making his debut, and I hate to pick on a kid making his debut, but I'm going to do it anyways. If you're looking for hitters, the Padres should feast on him. As for what I'll be watching, I think the most interesting start of the day is Hunter Brown making his debut. Fun prospect and a good matchup. Honestly, maybe not a terrible streaming option, though it is high, high risk, and it's not one I would do, but if you really are desperate, eh, maybe. Even if you're not starting him, though, should be fun to watch. Very interested to see what he is capable of. Don't forget to head over to PitcherList to check out the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks. Lots of great content that goes deeper into what happened on Sunday, what's coming up today. With that, I hope you have a good week. I'll be back with you on the weekend. The rest of the First Pitch team will have you covered the rest of the week. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes. 
Follow us on Twitter at PitcherList and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.